This is the Finding Strong Podcast. This show is dedicated to those who push their limits and try to find the strongest version of themselves each and every day. Each episode will touch on a variety of topics, including health, fitness, well-being, and athletics. We'll also do our best to showcase the story of athletes that are pushing their limits each day. We truly appreciate you taking the time to listen. So let's get into today's episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Gates, sitting here with Mark Bottenhorn. What's going on, everyone? Mark, how's it going down there in Dallas? Hey man, it's good. Um, I, was, I was supposed to be on the road in, in Austin and San Antonio this week, and um, some plans changed, but uh, you know, I just crushing it, just crushing it anyway, and um, not been running. I've been back to the gym for two days in a row, um, but definitely uh, ready to get back to running. Uh, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. I know we got a lot to, lot to unpack here with the with your last race. Yeah, man, what a what an adventure it was. It was uh, it was something crazy, for sure. Uh, it, it honestly, um, I mean, things like this, like, I, it doesn't matter like about outcomes or anything like this. But when you spend thirty four miles, pretty much solo, uh, in the woods a lot of things can go wrong. A lot of things can go right. A lot of time in between your own ears, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. So it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know Yeah, that, there's a lot, a uh, lot to, to think about during that time. Um, I mean, what, what are some of the things that you did think about? Yeah. I mean, well, really, uh, you know, I could just take it, take it from the beginning and, and I can get into some of those, some of those thoughts that I was having and unpack that. But I, you know, um, so uh, it's not, you know, you know, you've, you've been with me for several races. I, I'm not very good at sleeping the night before a race, typically get uh, correct. Brittany correct. and I and the baby had to get up to leave for this race at about four thirty AM. We had to be out the door. Oh. Um, and I actually, I slept really well two nights before and I slept actually very well the night before the race. And, I, I had a bit of a different feeling going to this race and it was, it was not so much of like, what if I fail or anything like that? Like the pressure was, was, it just didn't feel like it was there in this race. And, um, and part of that's probably because I moved across the country, right? Um, mm-hmm. I left a job that I've been at for a long time that I've been excelling in to take this new role with new balance, which I don't regret for a second. Um, but naturally there was some drop off in training as I try to transition to life across the country and life with a lot of traveling and a lot of events and things like that. And, and I had to learn new ways to train. I had to learn effective best practices to try to, um, really suit myself and set myself up in that, in that environment to win that we talk about that, that environment to thrive. Um, and it took me a long time to figure that out. So needless to say, my training, uh, wasn't great. Um, my last race was August 24th where you, uh, led the crew. You were the kind of the crew chief there for the, uh, North country for two mile, which I, which I won. Um, you know, I led that race for 49 miles. I split away after one mile and never looked back and ran scared the whole race and won the race. Um, up to that point, it was the biggest accomplishment 
in terms of athletics in my whole life. And I was happy to share that, that, that with you and, and the others. And, um, and I was coming off of that and I came home and visited over Christmas break. Um, you know, we were, we were together for a lot of it and ran that little race on Belle Isle, just a little 5k for fun. And I felt like complete crap. And I'm like, man, I cannot get anything going. Nothing's working. The conditions of the race were completely trash, but that's beside the point. And I was pretty low in confidence, um, at the end of December, I, I, I thought, man, I've not been tra- I've only been running really low volume. I think I averaged about 54 miles a week and my highest week was like 70 something. I would run like two weeks in the seventies and then one week in the thirties, um, because of work or the inability to get the rhythm down, you know? Yeah, for sure. And my confidence was killing me. And it's like, I ran a, I ran a 5k and I ran 16, 31, um, which was not bad given the circumstances because it was really windy and I thought, okay, that's good. And then to go to uh, where I expected, frankly, to run under 16 minutes. Um, and, and then you get, you mix in the ice and the wind being back in Michigan and it, and it just, it wasn't good for my confidence to, to fail when I thought I was going to easily go out and run probably 1550. Um, so that was a little bit of a shock to me and 5k times don't matter because I'm in the midst of, 50 mile training. So that's really, so it's weird to draw your confidence off that, but I did. And I think most of my confidence came from, well, I wasn't really well trained. So I sat down with Matt and I said, these are the races that I want to do. And it was the 22 mile race at running the rows with him um, as a long run and a hard workout um, where I invariably would have got second place because he went and dominated and set the course record in that. But that's another story for another time. Um, then next, I would have ran Rocky Raccoon 50 mile. Um, and that would have kind of led me into the Rattler run with my ultimate goal of qualifying for Leadville, winning a ticket into Leadville and doing the race across the sky. The whole 100 miles over 10,200 feet. Um, like, as you know, that's one of the bucket list races for me. And so yeah. the Rattler run was my real focus and on March 29th. And all that changed because of work stuff. And I, and I had events coming up and I couldn't get to those other races. So I said what can I do? And, you know, Matt and I kind of decided that I would go run the 54 K and in that immediate moment, the pressure was off because I hadn't been training at appropriate volume to run 54 K hard. Um, so maybe that was the reason the pressure was off because I was like, you know what, this training cycle has been so bad and it's not Matt's fault because he was writing great training and, and being so supportive as a coach, but it was my own fault because I wasn't necessarily setting myself up to win. And I was, and I have to also be kind to myself, right? Because I was adjusting to life as it is now. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you were, you were, you traveled down, you moved down there, you were traveling everywhere for work and then you came back up here for two, for two weeks and then had travel back down and so you guys you guys had some hang-ups about the car the like traveling back down there it was just yeah man it's a lot so you got to be a little bit more forgiving for yourself too yeah and then so with with all that going on and i'm not good at being forgiven for myself like i can do it for my clients and everything but with all that going on and trying to coach and trying to be a husband and a father and, and a friend and a podcast host you know um something had to give and coming back down uh, we had an issue, warranty. It was under warranty, obviously, with the car. And uh, then I got, you know, Brittany got the stomach flu. Um, and then I got sick on the way down. So I had fever, chills, all the stuff when I was in Memphis and um, on the way back home. And nothing seemed to be going right. And I was like, I, I, 
I never thought of myself as a victim. I thought of myself as like, um, I made some decisions, maybe like microscopical or micro decisions, I guess, um, that it kind of led me to where I was then. And then I, I started cycling back uh, through my training and like, did I do everything in my power? Um, probably not. And I took ownership of that, you know, so then I thought I got one month to get it right. And that last month was, was an incredible month of training. Um, you know, and the week before I was at the Houston marathon expo, which was a lot of time on my feet, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of talking to people, just travel and just a lot of energy. And, uh, I knew I had to race the next week and I thought, nothing in this last four months has been ideal. Um, but we don't do things because they're easy and they're ideal. We do them because they're right. And this journey that I'm on, I know, and I know that, you know, that for me, there's no other journey for me. Like, this is what I'm meant to do. I believe I found my purpose. And, uh, the reason that I'm on earth is to be able to do this and, 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 and to reach people through this. And, um, to be able to push my limits and, and overcome things. And so uh, there was never any doubt in that sense, I guess, even though my confidence was kind of low. Um, so I gave it that, that whole month and I, and I, and I busted my ass and worked and worked my ass off. And I showed up race morning uh, ready to go. And I, I was racing a guy and as fate would have it, uh, he actually won the rattler run, which is the, the race to qualify to get into Leadville. Um, so I thought, well, shit, the pressure just got a little higher, but at least I'll have an idea of where I stand against this top competition um, and know what I have to do to get ready for rather run and how far away I am. So the course was just over 11 miles and it was three loops of that 11 plus miles. So it came out to about 34 miles um, with over a thousand feet of elevation gain um, each loop. So I hadn't trained on the trail, so there was no specificity. I've been doing all my work on the roads on cement. Um, and because of where I live, like, I mean, you've been here, it's beautiful, but it's yeah. all cement, right? Yeah. Cement, yeah. Concrete jungle. Yep. And, um, so I, I don't use that as an excuse. Uh, I had to, to train, you know, and, and, and let my strength, my strength is running uphill, um, and let that shine when it needed to and, and know that I could rely on it if I had the fitness. Um, so for the first loop, I was, I was chatting with him and, um, it was, he and I were, were out in the lead and we were out in the lead by a comfortable distance. And at four miles, there's this really long sustained, probably half mile plus climb up this single track, Rocky trail. And after that, there's about four or four and a half miles of, of really runnable single track with switchbacks and stuff like that with just some rocks and roots, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, and then the final two miles of the course would just be kind of hilly. Uh, so at that, I didn't know what the course was like, but at four and a half miles, I sensed that he was labored and the plan going into the race was to stay behind him and keep him really close because he's an exceptional runner. Well, I knew that he was breathing heavy. Um, he came off of Leadville around the same time I did the 50 mile race and he beat David Goggins at Leadville. Like, I mean, this, he, he's a, he's an accomplished runner. He's a, he's a great runner. I mean, he beat David Goggins easily. So that's, I just use him as a point of reference. Um, and so the caliber of this athlete is good and he's suited for the longer distance stuff. And my volume has been low. So I thought 
it's now or never. I have to break away from this guy. I was feeling really good, running really well in my comfort zone, a low eight minute miles on the rolling single track, Rocky trails. And I thought I got to break away from this guy. So I dropped some low seven minute miles, about seven or seven or eight of them. Um, and ended up averaging well under eight minute pace for the first loop, seven forty pace. Um, and at the first loop, I could see him on some of the switchbacks and I was counting manually in my head instead of running my race. Um, I was kind of to see how much I had on him to see if I was actually putting distance on him or if he was covering it. And he wasn't covering it. I noticed, you know, at first it was a minute and 20 seconds and then it got to two and a half minutes. Then it was over three minutes. And at, at the point where I had over a three minute lead on the first loop, I thought, okay, now I'm going to be, now I'm committed to this <laughs> because if he claws three minutes back, uh, my confidence at this point might sink. So I came through the first loop and I was going to take uh, some stuff from the aid station from Brittany, but um, I told her it would be, I would be 90 minutes and she's obviously navigating with, with, with the baby as well. Well, yeah. I came through that in 80 minutes, 10 minutes ahead of schedule cause I was flying. Um, so I, I had to basically skip that aid station and rely on, uh, Gatorade as fuel, uh, for the second loop. Um, which is okay. Cause I think you and I have drank so much damn Gatorade in our life <laughs> Yeah, that like my stomach is just made of, yeah. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> don't drink water, just drink Gatorade. It's good. Yeah. And like as terrible as that was for us, I think that it actually somehow prepared me for this moment. Um, <laughs> mostly off Gatorade, which was, which was, which was very frustrating um, because I like to execute my plan and it wasn't Brittany's fault. It was my fault. Cause I didn't stick to the plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, you know, the second loop, I averaged about eight minute pace, so 20 seconds slower. Um, but I was trying to run conservatively at that point because I, I, I did not see him anymore and I didn't sense that he was very close. So I wanted to run within myself and be able to to handle the demands of the distance because 34 miles is a long way. And it's especially a long way when your volume has been much lower than it should be, you know? Yeah. And the hills were going to catch up to me and the trails were going to catch up to me because I hadn't run any trails and my quads were going to catch up to me. And, you know, where I ruptured my hamstring playing soccer, I still get that uh, every now and then if I do too hard of an effort, I'll have to take a day off because my hamstring um, like kind of pulls and strains and there's nothing that can be done about it. Like it's going to happen. It's, it's shortened from the injury and physical therapy helps, but likely it's something I want to deal with because of the, the extent of the injury. Right. Uh, so something I have to manage. I don't, I don't, I don't take any days off, but I manage it. And I felt it pulling up in that second loop. And I thought, okay, well, you got to make a decision. Are you going to finish this race? Or are you going to push the pace even more um, and risk not finishing it? And then I said, well, he could catch me. And then I thought at this point, I have to, I have to trust that I put a big enough gap on him that I made a powerful enough move. Um <laughs> And so I, you know, I have no idea. This is not like a marathon course where people are getting live updates. I don't know. Um, right. So I just trusted myself and trusted my ability to manage my body. And I, and I, and I just, I, I, uh, if you think of like seven to 9,000 RPMs as redlining, I was keeping myself at about 5,500 or six, you know, like yeah, yeah. easily can go over that limit. Um, and I hit 22 miles and I felt, you know what? I'm just going to slow down some. And I got to, uh, I got to 25 miles and at 25 miles, I got to 25 miles at right about three twenty, 
three hours and 20 minutes. Um, so at this pace, I'm on, I'm, I'm on pace for a three thirty trail marathon, um, which in this condition is good considering I have to run eight more miles than a trail marathon. Um, so I'm feeling really good. That's a really fast split on that. And I'm realizing I'm ahead of course record time. So I'm keeping that in the back of my head because if I can snag that course record, I want to snag it and squeeze the fucking juice out of it. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, at that point I, I went into this cutthroat mode and it was, it was, I had to run, I had eight miles left. I don't run runs that are under eight miles. Like I don't run easy runs under eight miles. And I thought as long as I keep moving forward, there's nothing that can stop me. Um, so I, I knew that I, I, I knew that I could handle the eight miles. I didn't know if he was going to catch me or not, but at that point this was out the, out the door. If we both run under the course record and he catches me, well, the best man won. So I kept moving forward. Um, and when I got into real trouble was at 27 miles. Um, mentally I was great. Physically I was starting to wear from the low volume on my body and being 27 miles into a really demanding race. And it was starting to get really hot in South, you know, in Texas, East, yeah. East Texas in the Bayou basically. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the temperatures were starting to reach into the mid sixties, which is, which is starting to get hot that late into an effort and in January, mind you. And, um, you know, I, my legs started seizing up at about two or three different situations. I pushed the pace so hard to get away from him that I put myself in a bit of oxygen debt early on, but because I'm at sea level, I could recover from it. Right. However, at a lot of lactate and, and, and waste product had built up in my legs at this point, and they were so heavy, they seemed like they could just barely, barely move forward. And it turned into a bit of a death march where I ran, but I ran really, you know, like 840, 8 minute, 40 second miles, um, just moving forward, just relentlessly pushing forward. And I told myself, you have to keep moving. You have to keep moving. And that's that's really what willed me forward and i got to an aid station and my friend and training partner down here tyler from uh from the nomad group as well he was filming and he was also cheering me on and he said hey man i said how far am i in front of him and he said you're about five minutes ahead of him and i was like this fucker will not go away <laughs> and i was like dude if i'm only like i saw so i hit this panic mode and this is somewhere around mile mile 27 and a half and i said or no no this no this was at mile 29 at this point and i said dude if i'm if i'm only five minutes away from him he's gonna catch me and he's like what are you talking about you're running great i said i'm not feeling great and i could barely lift my legs off i could barely lift my legs off the ground man you know yeah. Like I, I, I was getting no propulsion. My legs were just dead and I wasn't in the state of mind to be doing math, but with, with just over five miles left and a five minute cushion, I mean, he would have had to run pretty tremendous last five miles of a 34 mile race. Yeah. Um, so the next time I see him, I know the course record is 445, and I'm coming up on 413 and I got 5K left. And I'm like, I need, he said, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling a lot better right now. And physically, I was in the worst pain I've probably ever been in, uh, at least in a race for sure. Probably, I, I will go say probably the worst pain I've ever been in ever. And, um, you know, even worse than that 50 mile. And, and he said, how are you feeling? And I, I said, I'm not, not feeling too bad because I have 41 minutes 
to cover five kilometers. You know, I can 5K, I got 41 minutes to do it. And I can yeah. still set this course record. And he said, well, shit, you could, I don't know if it was him or somebody said, well, shit, you could roll that in that time. <laughs> and I was like, I was laughing about it. You know, that something like that just picked my spirits up. And I got to the final aid station and all the people were cheering at this point. And they're like, you got it. You're, you're going to set the course record. And I, I was low on fuel. Um, and, and I was very thankful for, you know, sustain elite the, the the carbohydrate i was taking to get me to yeah. this point even though i missed one aid station of it yeah get this man some gatorade yeah you know but i was gatorated <laughs> out bro <laughs> and i was i freaking bet dude and i was and i was having really bad stomach issues i don't want to get too graphic but i was having diarrhea really bad um which seems par for the course i don't know and <laughs> i um i just remember grabbing three chips of hoy cookies oh boy and I and I blasted my hand bottle full of Gatorade, and this is a decision I wouldn't make in my everyday life. And there was no way for me to train for this because how ludicrous would it be for me to buy Chips Ahoy's cookies and Gatorade and be like, I'm taking it to my long run with me? So I was in untested waters at this point, but I was in survival mode, and I could feel my legs had nothing left in them. Aerobically, I was fine. I felt as if I hadn't ran. Um, my heart rate stayed really low the whole time. i never got any, any kind of issues uh, with breathing. Um, and it's because I have a large aerobic engine, but I just didn't have the miles on my legs. Again, I didn't have the full preparation that I wanted. And I grinded through, I ate those cookies. Those are the best cookies I've ever had, bro. And, and I grinded through and grinded and grinded and grinded. And I got to the, to like the final, I would say the final, you know, third of a mile and I was pounding downhill and like, it was like my legs were like reborn. And I realized, I realized at some point, maybe with 5k left that even if I had five minutes on him, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to catch me. And this was my race. And I went out and I took it and I, I made the decision, no matter how unconfident I was leading up to the race, I made a very confident move at five miles, you know, with, with 29 miles left in a race yeah. running against, a really good opponent. I said, I have to take this race by the horns right now. And I did it. And I made my decision and I knew I was going to pay for it late in the race. There was no way around it with the, with the, if I had higher volume, maybe not, but this was a move that I thought was going to secure me the race. And all of a sudden I was reinvigorated running down and it was like, I couldn't feel my legs. The only thing I could feel was like, I don't even know. I couldn't, I did. I didn't feel a thing. The only thing I, the only thing I felt was like, this is my time. This is my time, you know, and right before that final third of a mile. Okay. I wanted to start walking. And I said, I remember Zach Miller, who's a huge yeah. inspiration to me said, I never walk. I never power hike because it makes me really like to power hike later. And I, that's, I've always rang true with that. Like I'm always just better off just moving forward. And so what yeah. I did was Absolutely. I started counting. I said, once I get to two minutes, then I'll walk for a minute. And I, and I counted, just one, two, three through 10 and then one, two, three, four, all the way through 10 again. And then before I knew it, I'd gone four minutes counting to 10 and I never took that walk break that I planned. And then I held it off for another minute. And at that point I only had only had three tenths of a mile left. And all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden I just felt reinvigorated, man. And I felt triumphant and I felt validated in this, in, in, in what I'm doing. And 
in my ability to put myself through a lot of pain and my ability to make a really confident move. And I came through the finish line and, and, and everybody was cheering and, you know, the first person to come to me was Matt and, and because everything was so miss, you know, poor, poorly timed, Brittany wasn't at the finish line at that point. And the first person to come to me was my coach, Matt. And he said, dude, you killed it. And he, you know, shook my hand and hugged me. And I said, dude, I got the shits. That was a, that was the first thing I could think of. <laughs> um, and I was like, what was that? And then it was caught on video. So that my defining moment is me coming across the finish line. And everybody's like, oh, my God, amazing course record. And I said, I got the shits here, dude. And so I <laughs> wish that I wouldn't have said that, you know. Um, but. <laughs> yeah, the defining moment it was, is. It was really cool to be embraced by Tyler and his girlfriend, then, then Brittany and Maya, and then everybody. You know, Matt was there. And then one of my teammates, Jason, came down. Um, which was really cool. He came down to watch Matt and I race, which was amazing uh, from, from Oklahoma. And that's awesome. We were all, you know, circled up and 10 minutes went by and the, the guy didn't come through. And then 20 minutes went by and he didn't come through. And then at, at this point um, I needed to start making a move uh, towards changing and towards getting to the car because I was in immense pain. And it, it turned out that he dropped out of the, out of the race at mile 22. Um, and, you know, I, I can't help but think that the move, the move that I made early on broke him and demoralized him. And he knew that he, in, in third place, ended up dropping out as well. And the conditions were tough and the course was hard, but we all had to race it. Um, and the, the move that I made, I thought was very decisive. And I'm very proud of myself for that because um, I always train like a warrior and, and and I always, always, always push myself to prepare. And you know that. I mean, we do stuff together. And yeah. where I haven't put it together always, always, always is in a race. And for me, that this was the most confident move I've ever made in a race. I, I decided not to stick to the plan that Matt and I created in an attempt to, to cement myself. I did what I thought was best for survival, knowing, knowing that I was going to be in pain because of it and knowing that I was going to just – the last four miles were going to, were going to hurt. I knew it was going to happen just scientifically. That's what's going to yeah. happen. And, and I paid for it late, but, but, but it was worth it, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, like, so when, when you made this, like this decision to go forward, um, like, did you have any, like any doubts after that? Um, so when I made the decision, I had no doubts in my decision. Um, I said, Hey, if he was hanging out my back shoulder, and I, I prefer if I'm running close to somebody in the trails that they're behind me. Um, so I liked him there, but I said, Hey, if you, I was trying to gauge how he felt. And I said, Hey, if you want to pass, let me know. And he said, no, 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 man, trust me. I'm good right here. We could just work together. And that was my cue to say, yeah. yeah. And, and Later, I bro. do like him. I, I love him. He's a great person. And talking with him for that four miles was amazing. Cause he was so nice. Um, but he, you know, he was trying to not let on how well he did the Rattler run, even though I already knew because I did my research. But and so I knew at that point that that like it is still a race, and he's going to try to win if he can. So I got to yeah. do everything in my power to control control my race, and I did. And I made the move that I thought was best for me. I for think sure. I'm best when I'm running when I'm running solo and I'm running scared. And um, you know, no, there was there was no doubts. I didn't no negative. It, it was much like um, the North Country for two mile. Nothing negative went in my head. I never thought there was a second where I might drop. I never thought there was a second where where I might fail. Um, 
I knew there were, there were seconds where I was struggling to move forward physically. Like I had nothing left in the tank, but mentally I knew even at eight miles left and four miles left, it's only eight miles. It's only four miles. I four miles, 30 minutes on the trails. That's fine. Yeah. You know? So, so there, yeah, there was, there was no, sure. there was no doubt. Um, it wasn't an ideal day. I had a number of stomach issues and, and I, and like I said, I wasn't adequately trained to the level that I raced at and I paid for it on the third loop, but it, it was a, it was 66% complete race with 33% of a struggle and a hold on. Um, but that's what comes with the territory when you, when you kind of push the limits there and find the boundary and back off of it and find it and back off. Um, but I think one thing that I've gotten better at is I just don't allow negativity to enter my mind in the race. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Like at the North Country, that some of the first things you said that you just like, you're like, I didn't think about anything bad or negative the whole the whole day. You're like, everything felt right. Uh, me and Robert, yep. you know, crewing for you every aid station. Your you came in confident. Yeah, I think at the positive. end I was kind of like, Robert, shut the fuck up, because he was making he's making jokes I didn't <laughs> yeah. find funny, but I wasn't I wasn't getting negative. It's just I don't want to hear his like Tyler. 22 miles in this race was funny or 32 miles into this race. Robert wasn't. Yeah. So I appreciated Tyler <laughs> lifting me up and saying really funny things. Uh, I don't appreciate Robert's humor when I'm in that state, when I'm in that state of mind. Uh, he, yeah. He's, he's, uh, yeah. His humor is yeah. for another time. So, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I thought it was funny that he told me that a guy was five minutes behind me. Oh, I didn't think it was funny at the time, <laughs> but he, he told me that the guy's five minutes behind yeah. me, the guy dropped out, you know, he came, he came through 20 oh, yeah. miles at, at three ten and, and dropped out. I was through 26 at, I was through 26 at, at three twenty three twenty five. you know? So I was, yeah. I was way ahead of him. I was four miles ahead of him at that point. More than that, even. So I don't know where he got that number from. Yeah. But it caused me to run even more paranoia. Um, but whatever, it worked. If he made it up or if he was confused, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it worked. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's about not letting the negativity creep in. But now, why I think I'm really, really is dangerous for moving forward is that I've been here now so much. Like at first, the first couple ultras were, were a struggle, you know, like North country was a bit of a struggle because I've never been at 42 miles into a race before. Um, but I, I, I knew right. there was no doubt still even then, but now it's like, I've been here when you're, when you're saying only eight more miles, like I can always run eight miles. Like that's when you're at a very dangerous mindset. And maybe I was leading myself to believe that I wasn't confident, um, but but really the confidence is intrinsic. And uh, when it's crunch time, you forget about those little doubts, you know, um, like Abraham yeah, Lincoln said, sure. I will prepare and one day my time will come. And I think that's, that's what it was. And it's not accumulation of the, just the last training cycle, but, but the years that I put into it, that even though the last few months weren't my absolute best, they were still pretty good. It was it was the years of tiny habits that I formed moving forward. Um, that that played a big role. Yeah. Um, and we were on a podcast with Ashley uh, Powers, and ta I talked about how if somebody, for example, is is obese and they work out three times, 
um, they're not going to be fit. It's not just one time of doing something that, that, that sharpens the sword, you know, it's not like, because, because it rains one time, you're going to form the grand Canyon. It's, it's, it's years of erosion to create these things. Right. And it's the same thing with these little micro micro habits. Right. So if you create these really positive habits, like if you go to the gym three times, you're not going to get fit. But if you make a habit of going to the gym and then you start to do it, you know, 12 and 15 times and 20 times a month, then all of a sudden you're making these micro changes that eventually it's like a death by a thousand cuts and it starts to overtake and break in the positive direction. Um, And I've set myself up to do that. And just like many of us have, and, and then when it was crunch time, all those things and, and years of preparation and battle came through. Yeah, put you. Yeah, and the outcome of the race was good. I won, and I set the course record. But um, win or lose, I wasn't going to draw very much from it. I was going to draw how tough I was from it. I think, and that was going to be the theme for me. Even in the race, I said that. I said if he does overtake me, that's fine, um, because I've ran a really gutsy and tough race, and I've done what I could do. And now I come out of this race, and my my biggest criticism for myself was that um, there was two. Is one is I'm not, you know, I don't plan things very well. um, But that's a different story but i need to plan nutrition better but but two is i've always thought of myself as having a low pain tolerance and not being tough um and that was always my biggest criticism i have the talent i have the ability i have the drive i have everything but i'm not tough enough and i need to get tougher and remember when i had a day off work and i wanted to lock myself in a box to make myself mentally tougher and you know like my dad and Brittany and i think you probably too said don't do that it's a bad idea to lock yourself in a box um, but I wanted to lock myself in a box. I wanted people to bang on it or scream or whatever. Um, and, and in retrospect, that could have caused a lot of mental problems for me, especially being vulnerable to them. But it was all stemming from the fact that I thought I wasn't tough enough. Like I wasn't David Goggins enough. Right. But what I drew from this race, yeah. regardless of the outcome is that I am tough enough to handle whatever is thrown at me because, I willed myself to move forward when I had nothing left in my tank, dude. I emptied the tank completely. I had nothing left to give and I still found more. And then I realized I'm, I am one tough SOB. And now, now I have confidence and it's like, I I just feel the tides of the tides are changing, you know, or or moving. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Like, yeah. In times of like extreme pain or adversity, the the true character of your toughness will really come out and you've shown that time and time again and that's where I was I've always been confused is like why does he not think he's tough? Because you prove you prove yourself to me all the time that you are tough. Um and in the, these times of adversity it comes out even more. Yeah. It's like more prevalent. So I'm glad I'm glad uh, that you're starting to see um your true self. I dude I, I appreciate I that. It's almost like some kind of dysmorphia um and I, that means a lot coming from you and it's like I was just lacking um, I was just lacking the, the confidence. I wasn't lacking toughness. I was lacking the belief that I was tough enough to handle this and tough enough to hurt and tough enough to grind these things out. And now I feel I truly feel that I unlocked the last thing that's going to stop me from reaching my true potential. And there will be there, there will yeah. no doubt be adversity, and there will be things to overcome but I have the confidence to know that whatever life or racing throws at me, uh, 
that I can handle it. And, and, and that's a lot to, that seems like a lot to pull from a race, but it, it, it was, it, it was 34 miles of hell, uh, in particular the last eight miles. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah, man. You find out a lot about, you find a, a lot about. Yeah. Lot oh yeah. And that last eight. And so like when you're in between your head, but when there's no negative thoughts coming in, it don't matter. Then you're alone. And you, you know, I, if, like I said, I was in hell that last eight miles, but it was like, I was dancing with the devil and he yeah. didn't want no, he didn't want to dance, you know? And like, that was like, now the floodgates I feel are going to open. Um, so I feel extremely confident in myself to, to accomplish my, now I'm not saying the floodgates are going to open. I'm going to go win this and win that. I don't care about that. I'm not saying that I don't, there are everybody's every, there's so many great racers in their own respect. I'm talking about for me reaching this potential, you know? And, and right. so Absolutely. I guess we got to wrap this up, but, but the bottom line is I, I put this, um, I, there's this, uh, this J Cole song, uh, middle child. And I've been listening to it a lot lately when I've been working out or whatever it is. And at, at one point in the song, he said, I hope you keep the same energy when it's crunch time. And like, for some reason, I don't know what it means, but I've referenced crunch time that's stuck in my head. Um, and like, now I can't stop thinking about that, that, that line, I hope you keep the same energy when it's crunch time, because I feel like it's one thing to go talk a big game and do all this and say, I want to win this and I want to set this course record and, and you just never do it. But it's a, a completely another thing to keep that same energy at mile 28 and at mile 26 and at mile 29, when you got to will yourself forward, I had that same yeah. mental spirit and energy and that's what willed me forward. So I don't know what it was that I came across that song and that line in particular sticked out or stuck out, I should say, but it allowed me, I don't know. It gave me like a, like a vision. I don't know. It's really weird, but it got me through. Yeah. No, you know, it's like, I mean, it's that, that Mamba mentality, you know, um, we had that tragic loss of Kobe and like, you know, growing up, before soccer games, I would used to watch. I used to watch videos of him speaking, and he's you know talks similar that similar stuff of of that work ethic. He said he saw you know someone coming to the gym to shoot, and he said, "Well, I need to go out there and sh- and work out just as hard or harder before the game time." So it's like that crunch time is always being there, always being present, yeah, being prepared. The the thing for me is I never had an issue being prepared. Um, I never had an issue in training. Yeah. I was a training ground hero where I had the issue was when the doubt started to roll in like, like, like many others. Mm-hmm. And that was the piece that I was missing. That was my crunch time right there. My crunch time wasn't getting to the, getting to the field early, getting to the track early, getting to the game early, getting to the shoot around, getting into the weight room. That wasn't my crunch time. That was always easy for me. The crunch time for me was having the confidence to, 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 to transfer those skills into the setting that I needed to. And it came together. It came together in this race, and it was a moment of realization for me. And and the the thing about Kobe Bryant, yeah. you know, before we sign off, is a very tragic thing. I know, like, growing up, like in in our generation, and you and I in particular, like like he was like a, a hero. You know, there would be the billboards, and it would say, you know, come see 
Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and other stars at the Palace of Auburn Hills because the Pistons were so bad at that point. Yep. And one of their banking things was like, come see Kobe play. You know, and and my best, you know, yeah. one of my best friends, Tim, a longtime childhood best friend who I've lost contact with, but you know him really well too. Um, we used to pretend like we were Kobe and Shaq, you know. And I remember being such a Pistons fan and rooting against Kobe Bryant um, because I needed the Pistons to win, and I was so shocked when the Pistons beat the Lakers in two thousand four. I'm like, how the hell did we yeah. beat Kobe Bryant and Shaq? Like. Because he was like immortal to us, and and that whole thing for me was was so shocking. And it, um, you know, I won the race the day before, it and that happened the next day, and I was sick to my stomach um, just seeing that. And it it took a lot of the. It's it's weird to grieve somebody that you never have met and don't know. Um, but I don't know if you felt the same way. I called you, you know, when we talked about it, but it yeah. It almost ruined my race yeah, for me, yeah. honestly. Just, like yeah. it, I felt I couldn't celebrate. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Like, because I used to like watch like his motivational videos before like soccer games to get myself pumped up, or like I would watch him on the regular, and just like seeing how this man embodied sheer determination and work ethic, and to change the face of basketball and whatever he was he was doing it's something that i wanted to also embody that's why i like i know you and that's why i and i work so hard at what we do because because of like not i want to say because of him but he's he's one of the reasons why i push myself that extra yeah that, that mentality that he has is is has paved the way uh for so many people to 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 up their game um i remember a story about kobe bryant when um the Lakers were playing really bad. Um, and I, I think it was against the trailblazers and uh, they got blown out by the trailblazers and in the locker room after the game, uh, all the, you know, a bunch of the players on his team wore Kobe's the shoes. And he took, he took all the shoes and said, because they're playing like yeah. bombs, they don't deserve the shoes. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the spirit that he had was, yeah. it, it's just so tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, and I, and, and what I love about, about him is he was able to inspire uh, so many people. And that's the, the, the most yeah. positive quality in myself is that I feel that I can inspire people and I can't help but think that some of it's because of him. Um, so it's yeah. like, even though we never met him, a, a part yeah. of us were, were lost in that, in that day too, you know? Um, but yeah. to wrap this up, I, I will say that the whole point, I guess, of this race recap and even the Kobe Bryant thing is um, – I had a feeling you'd bring that up, and I was trying not to bring it up. But the um, I guess the whole – and it's, it's good that you did, though. But the whole thing is, is that I always say trust the process. Trust the process. Um, and it can be hard to trust the process, um, but if you trust that process – and you believe in that process and you execute that process when crunch time comes and you have nothing left in the tank and you have nothing left in your legs and, and your legs burn. Um, you know, my legs, my legs burnt. Like they felt like they were on, on actual fire and I'm not being dramatic. I had nothing left. My body was shutting down. You know, I was, I, I'm, I may have had rhabdo. I mean, I was pissing Brown. Um, I was shut down, man. And I willed myself forward uh, 
based on the preparation and the process. And I know that I'm a whole lot less talented than a lot of people out there. And, you know, I, I, that process is what got me through. And that's why we say trust the process, because if, if you do it and, and, and you build the micro habits, um, one day you're going to break through. And when it's crunch time, the process will be there for you. And you can lean on what, what you've learned in that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place, a good to, place uh, to wrap it to up. Wrap it up. Uh, thanks for listening to this. Thanks for supporting me. Um, during this race, the outpouring of, of love and everything like that, like on the grand scheme of things, like these races don't matter to anybody. Uh, but, but to me, you know, I guess really, but you guys make me all feel so special, man. I appreciate that. Like you guys make me feel like I'm important. So that's so much fun. And, um, I can't wait to hear about, uh, more of your races and Pat, I can't wait to just see you keep crushing it, man. Happy to be a part of this. Same, same, okay. same, my brother. Stay strong, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. We truly appreciate all of your comments, your shares, and your ratings. But more than anything, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to today's episode. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other major podcast apps. And if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Let us know what you want to hear next. So many great requests already. Until next time, stay strong.